Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamily Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys. Welcome back for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. So excited to have an awesome guest. I know I keep saying it. All my guests are awesome, but that's because I love people and people are awesome. Tammy, Tammy Plunkett left her career as a registered nurse to stay home and raise her four children. It turned out that she could only take so much Sesame Street and return to her first love writing. Yay. Tammy spent a few years working solely in fiction, then switched gears to nonfiction while she practiced as a life coach and writing coach. After her third child came out as transgender, she focused her work on helping parents of transgender kids blogging and writing mainstream articles. She continues to return her love of writing both fiction and nonfiction. When not at her desk, Tammy can be found hiking in the Rocky Mountains with her family and beloved Cavapoo Milo. Milo or Milo? Milo. Milo. Okay, I had it right. So welcome, Tammy. Thank you so much for being here and talking about a topic that is so um, hard for people to talk about, hard for parents to talk about, hard for people to, to comprehend. And, you know, despite what people's religious, uh, backgrounds are or beliefs or what they think, transgender people are here. Transgender individuals want to be loved, want to be accepted and are fighting internally with how they're feeling depending on their born gender as the gender that they want to identify. And so as a mom, I I want you to just share your story and how you got here. Yeah, it was not an easy uh, five second acceptance when my son came out. And that's, uh, that's what makes my story different than many of the parents of transgender kids uh, are saying in public, a lot of times it's rah, rah, my child came out and I was uh, accepting immediately and I love them. And, you know, they're advocates the minute their child comes out. It took me a process of, and I call it a grieving process. I, I first was in denial and I was in bargaining and I was in sadness. The one caveat I have to say is that I did all of that in my own proverbial closet. I didn't do it in front of my child. Um, But I had to process this. My child came out at 11. He was assigned female at birth. Uh, So I thought I was raising a daughter for 11 years. And uh, when he came out, uh, it was it was a shock. I kind of sort of thought that he would be lesbian, or she then would be a lesbian. was obviously a tomboy, but I mean, how many of us grow up as tomboys and, you know, nobody blinks an eye. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, but, um, but it, but eventually, uh, it was obvious to me that he definitely was having depression, sadness, anger, uh, hard time connecting socially. And we tried every. Thing every and this was before he even came out. We brought him to therapists and the doctor and tried it all. Um, but the minute we affirmed his gender and allowed him to dress and called him, we um, changed his name, used his pronouns. Um, he started getting better, but not a hundred percent better. And then it was a matter of um, hormone blockers. So once we 
blocked the estrogen in, that was flowing through his body. It was like turning off and on a light switch. I had my sunshiny, happy child again. It was amazing. So can you share a little bit about how your family, you know, siblings um, were accepting or were riding along the transition phase? Because as siblings, it's a different relationship. As a parent, you, you know, you're assigned gender at birth. I'm giving birth to this. And so you make a plan. This is my daughter. We're going to do this, et cetera. And then you, it's the fight whether you want to wear a dress or not. But with siblings, it's a different relationship. It's how, how they connect. And so that change um, for for siblings, how did they react? How did they respond? How are they feeling or how ha- they felt at, at the moment that your son transitioned? I think they had, I like what you're saying. I think they had less of a vested interest in, uh, in Mitchell's future. And uh, obviously, a lot of the fears that I had when he came out was about his safety. I didn't want him to be ostracized or beaten up or bullied. My kids, I have four kids. So the two older siblings are daughters, and they they were quite much, much older and living in a different city, going to college and stuff. So they were accepting, but also a little hesitant. They were, you know, they're mini parents, right? Mm, (laughs) They were like, okay, uh, but of a different generation. So, um, they, they embraced it and they were okay with it. Um, but a little hesitant, like they, they also wanted it to be a slower transition. Like, let's not just jump it all into this. Uh, my youngest child is a boy and he, it was amazing. We told him. So if Mitchell was, he'd have been nine when we told him and he says, I always wanted a brother. And from the moment we told him, he never made a mistake uh, with his pronouns. He never made a mistake with his name. Well, it took us a while, right. of, you know, tripping up over saying the right pronouns. He he was a hundred percent on board, and they were they were best friends before, and they've continued to be best friends. How yeah. about family, friends, community members, school? Um, so we again were uh, lived far away from family, and uh, my mom had a hard time, uh, even though. Uh, yeah, she she had a hard time, and and unfortunately, she passed away before she even could meet Mitchell as a boy. So it was um, it was tragic that way. Uh, she said she would love what she said was she would love her granddaughter no matter what. <laughs> but um, yeah, that one was the harder one. Um, and then uh, on my husband's side. Uh, he has a gay brother. So it wasn't a huge shock to the whole family that, uh, you know, LGBTQ sort of hang together. <laughs> so, um, mind you, he's the youngest of all his brothers. And uh, they, the older ones definitely had a hard time with name change and, and pronoun change. And also, again, because we live far away from our family, it not seeing Mitchell every day, it makes it difficult, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about with uh, supporting Mitchell in his transition in school with friends and community members, neighbors? Yeah, school was school was hard. School was hard. Neighbors were hard. Uh, our closest neighbors are actually part, some of our best friends. They were phenomenal. Um, 
that, you know, a couple of doors away from them, there's neighbors who just, you know, they say hi, but that's all they'll ever say to us. And um, so, I mean, to each their own and, and I get them. Um, we do live in a very conservative area. So that's, it, it's to be expected a little bit. Uh, school was very difficult. The school where he transitioned, uh, they, the students had a hard time. His closest friends were mad that he cut his hair before he even transitioned. Like we were exploring, he was exploring and why did you cut your hair? And so that like they were mad about it initially and then sort of dropped off. And then he was actually bullied. He he got punched in the face. Um, there was a huge whole bunch of drama. Um, and I did not, um, I wasn't happy with the way the, the principal and the administration handled things. It really singled Mitchell out. Uh, I ended up, he couldn't take the bus to school anymore because they couldn't guarantee his safety. So I had to drive him to and from school and teachers would walk him from one classroom to the other because the only time he was ever attacked was between classes and on lunch. So he'd have to sit with the guidance counselor for lunch. And it's like, well, what child wants that kind of mm-hmm. life? And, and that's so, so unfortunate. It's like, yeah. you know, in school we're taught from elementary school, play nice, play together, be friends, be respectful. But that at some point goes out the window because, you know, whether again, going back to whether your beliefs are, your acceptances, et cetera, Mitchell's a human being. And so to treat Mitchell in that way, it's, it's so unfortunate. And, you know, I'm sorry that that was Mitchell's experience. And, his story is, is every other transgender youth story in transitioning yeah. how they feel. I had a client who I worked closely with and for her family, it was harder because she was African and very Christian. And so she, you know, she shared with, with me that she knew from a little girl that she did not. And she identifies as she, that's why I'm, I'm remaining as she, um, she would, they would try to put dresses on her and she was not happy. She would sneak in and put pants on and shirts on and and not feeling comfortable. And, you know, unfortunately this client ended up in foster care because the parents did not accept her, did Mm -hmm. not accept who she wanted to identify as. And so having, you know, to supervise those visits with the, the assigned social worker to support them, you know, was hard. And having mm-hmm. that conversation, it, it was just like a religious conversation because she kept trying to throw the Bible and say that her daughter was an abomination. And and so, you know, I had to reiterate to her and say, that's part of what the Bible says. But Jesus also said that he loves everyone and he accepted everyone. And this is your daughter. And all she wants is acceptance from you. You know, and it was hard for me to hear and to, to still grapple to this day that a kid entered foster care because you could not accept that your your child wants to dress as a boy, wants to identify as a female, but wants to address, dress as a boy, cut their hair. Um, it, it was really difficult. And, and I think it was difficult for the team that worked with them because anytime mom came for visits, we were like, you know, <laughs> we were like ready for her. And especially me, I was like, she's not going to come 
you know, try to say these things about her, that she's an abomination. Because I'm going to throw the Bible verses right back at her and not understanding that you have to love your child. But it was so difficult to see the spiraling of the behaviors and this child wanting to engage in substance use because of not feeling... Imagine immigrating into this country with your family and now your whole family has ostracized you. So now your new family is foster care. That's hard. It's hard. And I think about this child all the time and we've remained connected as a mentorship and I'm happy that she's in a home that accepts her, just accepts her for who she is. And, you know, she's a beautiful person and has dreams and hopes, inspirations. But at the end of the day, people want their parents support. People want their like you can give someone an aunt and uncle, extended family, foster family, mentors, et cetera. At the end of the day, internally, you cry out for your immediate family. Yeah. And and that's what's been hard. And I'm so happy that you're here to share your story, share your son's story to provide some support and coaching for parents, for professionals, for listeners on how to s- support this population. How does mm-hmm. how to support others who it, it's not only about their identity and their struggles, but it's also that they're human beings and that there are other struggles that come with it. And, and you hit it right on the nose when you mentioned the bullying, mm-hmm. not feeling that they belong, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, questioning themselves. That th- Those are important topics that people need to understand that it's just not people I- intentionally pissing off their family, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they literally go through struggles while they're transitioning. Yeah. You're bringing up a very good point, and that's uh, actually there's a few things I want to say. First is that uh, I find, and this was definitely my case, that a lot of times parents are um, are it looks like they're not accepting of their child, but what they're really worried about is what everybody else is going to think of them as parents. You know, we all want to look know that we are loved and we belong. And as parents, if we were raised to have certain values and told that the only way that we belong to our group is if we adhere to these rules and then our kids break all of these rules, then we're afraid of not belonging too. You know, parents have feelings. It doesn't mean that we should do it at the expense of our child's feelings. So I think we're, we're grownups and we, we can open our mind and learn and expand. Um, the other thing that you bring up is, um, yeah, I mean, children, there's a misconception about transgender and because it is in LGBT and, and it, it's sort of bunched in with uh, sexual orientation. You know, there's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and then transgender. So if you say my 11-year-old or 8-year-old is transgender, people are like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. How can you go with that? Because they associate it with sex. Mm-hmm. And it has absolutely nothing to do with sex. It is who you think you are in your mind when you wake up in the morning, not who you go to bed with at night. So, um, and so that's difficult for people to get. And and that is why they think, you know, it's, you know, just bananas that a, a, a child would be transgender. But the thing with a child is that, and there's three things that you look for is consistence, persistence, insistence. So, and teenagers, 
I know myself, you know, I had my goth stage where I dressed all in black and <laughs> black eyeliner. And then I had my, you know, preppy stage when I, so we all go through things and we try things on when we're teenagers and that's absolutely normal. And that, right. there's nothing wrong with that. And if your kid wants to cut their hair and wear different clothing, let them, you know, if that's the worst that it's going to be, it's not permanent. You can always grow your hair back and switch clothes. Um, but if your child is truly insistent and persistent and constantly uh, in that, uh, you know, new gender, then then you can have something to look at. And And a child is socially transitioning in the beginning. You know, nobody is performing surgery on a five-year-old or giving hormones to an eight-year-old it it's really it's a play act in the beginning so it, it's okay to let our kids go through these um experiences and figure out who they are and trust that a child knows who they are absolutely so yeah. tell me tell us what motivated you well Mitchell motivated you but to move forward into coaching other parents and and speaking and sharing your story and Mitchell's story. So when I, uh, when Mitchell came out, I knew of one other family uh, in, I'm in Canada and I knew of one other family uh, who was in the public eye and they were particularly accepting. So it was one of those, you know, I'm a perfect mom. I did it all perfectly from the get go. And I did not identify with that. I, I, I really struggled. Uh, and I thought that I was open minded until Mitchell came out. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I have stuff to unpack here. Yeah. So uh, I felt a lot of guilt around that and shame around, you know, why am I not accepting it's not to the point where I was going to kick him out. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't to the point where I wasn't helping him and supporting him. But you know, behind closed doors, I had some struggles. And but I could not but I yeah. think let's. I I think we sh we should talk about that because it's okay to have some struggles and yes. that is normal and it's not. This is what people really experience. You get to a different phase, just like any changes, anything that's drastic with a family, with with just anyone who's close to you. When there is a, a significant change, you have to mourn who or what that other person was and you birthed Mitchell. And so yeah. for you, that process is very different and we have to honor that. And, and I, I want you to know that it's okay for whatever you experience. You have to be share sharing your truth. And I think this is what makes your story unique and great mm -hmm. to share with other people because it's not always hunky dory. Yay. Okay. You're <laughs> no, you're internally like, but I, I carried you for nine months and, I bought yeah. pink. We had plans. Right. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I set up all this money. I have my three girls and just my one boy and this. It, it, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to yeah. grieve. Yeah. And so that that is why I share my story because I couldn't find anyone else sharing my story. And I, I, I was brave enough to say, okay, if Mitchell is brave enough to live in his authentic self mm -hmm. and, and to go to school and be who he is so that I didn't share the happy ending is that we actually switched schools mm -hmm. and the new school was phenomenal. They, they were absolutely amazing. They did training for all the staff. They did training for all of the kids before Mitchell ever came out so that a 12 year old wouldn't have to explain what transgender means. Mm -hmm. And it was just brilliant. 
So just watching him in his authentic self and how he carries himself now, he's so confident and and smart and caring. And, and he uses the fact that he knows what it's like to have lived in two genders mm-hmm. and knows what it the, the experience of a woman is and tells all of his guy friends when they're being disrespectful of women. I mean, I just, I admire him so much. So I use his strength and and authenticity to share my part of the story so that other parents could get that there's absolutely nothing wrong with mourning. There's absolutely nothing wrong with not uh, being accepting immediately. And you can, you know, if you are from a very religious background or you are from a, a very conservative background and 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 you're like, how am I going to survive this? You can, you absolutely can. So in addition to writing about it and speaking about it, I host a, a monthly parenting with pride group here locally. Nice. And we had a mom come uh, who is extremely from an extreme religion and, and does not want to give up her religion as she didn't have to. And she's still very much part of it, but she had to reconcile both. And she has beautifully, and and she's now a leader in her church. And it's wonderful that you absolutely can have both. It's, uh, you know, it's just a matter of opening your mind and your heart. Yeah. So can you tell us, where's Mitchell now? How's Mitchell doing? What's Mitchell into? Like, I want to be Mitchell. (laughs) Mitchell sounds so cool. (laughs) He he is pretty cool. Yeah. So he is now 15. He's in grade 10. And uh, he is, uh, he is a musician. He's done a whole bunch of uh, music. Although uh, since quarantine, because he's not playing with his band, he's taken up video games. So that's, that's pretty much where he is right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, and does, uh, does, he's amazing social justice warrior. Like he, he reads up on all of the, everything politics involved and, and yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I I love it. Yeah. You guys are in the wrong country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe I am. Hold on. Let me reverse it. Maybe I am. (laughs) So can you share three? And I always like to leave, uh, our listeners with three nuggets, three knowledge nuggets, three tools that parents can utilize. And I know you mentioned them before, but to help listeners, parents, family members support someone trans transitioning. Um, The most important thing is to ask people what they prefer. So I ask them, what is your preferred pronoun? Mm -hmm. And then use it. And then when you make a mistake, don't make it about you. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm new at this. And I'm trying to figure don't make it about you say I'm sorry. And use the new pro like the right, the right pronoun that they've asked you to use. So uh, that that I think is the best thing that we can do uh, to support transgender people. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is know that this is a gender identity. It is not um it's not a mental illness mm-hmm. and it's not related to sexual attraction at all. Um, yeah. And the other thing I think you said it is, I, I'm, so I'm going to quote Michelle Obama here. Yeah, <laughs> and that is, <laughs> it's hard to hate up close, mm-hmm. get to know the human being behind the acronym. Yeah. They, these are true human beings. They, they, 
breathe, they they heart they have heartbreak, they have joys, they love, they're smart, and they're they're just wonderful human beings. And just get to know the human being behind that T in the acronym. I love it. I love it. Tammy, where can people find you all the way in Canada? (laughs) (laughs) I'm all over the world on TammyPlunkett.com. Do you have a social media handle where people can follow you? Yep. I'm uh, all of them are at Tammy Plunkett. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter and yeah. Yeah. So that's Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y Plunkett, P-L-U-N-K-E-T-T. That's right. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Tammy. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your son's bravery, for being here and sharing a unique story to our listeners of triumph and resiliency, because this is what Beauteous Me podcast is all about. And so I'm so humbled and grateful that you're here and you spent this time with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on Instagram at iambeauteousme. Don't forget to use the hashtag beauteousmepodcast for your feedback.